0: Well, it's another day of markets clearly favouring the US and the UK over continental Europe with good news on the data front in the US and a strengthening US dollar together with a very hawkish Bank of England governor today. Whilst Europe, well, it offered very little except some very mixed data. Even draggy hoax couldn't drag the euro up overnight. And today, Philip Lowe, what will he have to say in his parliamentary testimony particularly with the AFR leading today about a raging bull in stocks and housing from the years to come of low interest rates? It's Friday the 5th of February 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks are on the rise again, 0.9% up for the Dow, still about 0.7% off its all-time high. The Nasdaq is also about 0.9% up, but it is within a whisker of its all-time high. And the S&P is up 0.8%. We're still seeing the remnants of the Reddit saga, by the way. GameStop is uh, one of the 10 most traded stocks in the U.S. today, losing a third of its value in one day. And the VIX is still over 20, so the, uh, the retail traders' story hasn't gone away just yet. The U.S. dollar has resumed its recent climb back. It is up another 0.4%. Uh, this morning. On top of that, the pound has managed another 0.1%, whilst the euro has fallen 0.6%. The Aussie is down a third of 1% as well. Not much in US bonds to speak of, but a 7 basis point rise in 10-year gilt yields. How much of that is to do with the uh, the Bank of England, uh, we'll find out in a moment. And oil is up more as well today. WTI notching up another 1.5% rise to well over $56 a barrel. And today it's uh, Gavin Friend, NAB's senior market strategist in London it's fair to say a lot of enthusiasm today on both sides of the Atlantic. Well, by both sides, I mean the U.S. and the U.K. In the U.S., those those weekly initial jobless claims were lower than anticipated. Factory orders doing better than expected, and of course, the, those daily new COVID cases are coming down as well. We're a seven day moving average now of one hundred and thirty six thousand, which is a lot. It sounds for a day, but in, in mid January, it was double that. Uh, and uh, you know, aside from uh, a rise in hospitalizations in New York, which is not terribly good news, they are rolling out. 1.3 million vaccines per day, so it is all good news, isn't it? Which is why we are seeing the the dollar doing so well today. Yeah, morning, Phil. I mean, you could add into that as well that
1: that shopping list, you know, decent results from eBay and PayPal. But I think you're right. You're right. There, there is there is this emerging narrative uh, in the recent in recent days that's been driven by a combination of better uh, U.S. economic data and the re- and the sort of relative growth story between the US and Europe. Um, I think an important distinction here is, is is the change from the base case, you know, for earlier in the year which was that the US because of COVID would be at the back of the recovery queue, the more rapid vaccine rollouts uh, there, the uh expectation and likelihood of US fiscal assistance to the pandemic relief plan, whatever size it is, uh you know, are in clear contrast to what is happening in Europe. So it's it's that relative story you mentioned Claims, uh, weekly claims, on a Thursday. These were for the week to the thirtieth of Jan. Seven hundred and seventy-nine thousand, the lowest since ne- November. Still elevated, but down from eight hundred and twelve thousand, and better than the eight hundred and thirty thousand consensus claims for gig economy workers. Also fell. Encouraging, really, this report because there it was the, there was a downward revision to the to the prior two weeks, and um, the number of first time. Claim uh, claims fell, and you know. Lastly, because you know, sort of restrictions are gradually starting to ease, and as the the vaccines are rolled out, we might optimistically look for claims to start trending lower. And you know, all of this is part of that narrative we're talking about now. You know, you add in um, the data uh, and the vaccine optimism. You know, you think about uh, Wednesday's ISM non-manufacturing fifty-eight point seven i.e. nearly 60, this is the service sector that drives the US economy and is supposed to be the one, you know, in the crosshairs of the p- the pandemic hit. In Europe, you know, in contrast, aside from Germany, services PMI is at 45. <clears throat> and so, you know, we're starting to see this narrative play out in areas of the market.
0: Well, yeah, like we are is- seeing
1: the yield curve steepening, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And, and, and that's, it's a great point. I mean, you look at... Uh, so the ten years we're up at 114, 115. Uh, inflation expectations are rising. So in tens, US tens, the break evens at 218. That's matching the 2018 highs. Yes, historically we have seen um you know US uh, uh, break evens up trading in a sort of a two and a quarter to 275 range. We're not up there yet, but this is as high as they've been for a couple of years. Uh, and the curves, you know, we're looking. The best levels now, whether you take, you know, twos, thirties, five thirties, back to 2016, 2017 levels. And in FX, the, the dollar is gradually rising. Um, th- this week, it's made what looks like a potentially important break back above 91 on the DXY trade weighted index. Which is not what, we're this, expect-
0: not what we're expecting at all. I mean, the prediction was that we would continue to see the US dollar falling, wasn't it? This is a complete turnaround. Indeed, indeed.
1: It is a gradual move, but it's that relative shift. US versus US versus euro and i think also you know if you, if you look at the the big currencies in this sterling the euro and the dollar both the dollar and sterling who have both got, you know, success on the vaccine yeah. front are pushing, so the, against pushing the, the euro weaker. Is this all
0: overplayed, though? Because it is just that, isn't it? So And that's quite a short-term thing. I mean, Europe will catch up eventually. I mean, we, and we are seeing, you know, mixed results immediately coming from Europe because they've been in lockdown. So even, you know, construction PMIs were, were down across uh, the euro area and for the UK. But then December, we saw retail sales bouncing back, for example. So there are glimmers of hope. In fact, uh, you know, in December actually up on December twenty nineteen when we knew nothing about the pandemic. So at least they were going shopping in Europe. So I mean it's not it's not as though it's a complete basket case.
1: I, I would agree and we can point to, you know, pockets of optimism. Mario Draghi, you know, he's got the gig. Can he can can he can he Cobbled together, if, he, if he's got enough support to get this coalition, I think that's going to be a really positive force. Yes, you know Italy is not the eurozone, but it is the eurozone's weakest link. And if he can really get together with structural reforms and that kind of stuff, that's going to be good for fiscal unity. But all of that is a slightly. Uh, longer-term issue, if you like. It can have short-term benefits. Markets are forward-looking. But I think against this emerging narrative, this is what's driving things. If we were to get, for instance, a strong labour market uh, report uh, today, that's going to play straight into this story, and you can see y- y- from that you're going to get steeper curves again. You're going to get more of v- a move in the dollar. On your point, the counter argument, I, d- I do think you have a point about whether this whether this story is g- has got legs or not. I think is a very very good question. Um, I mean, we we don't yet know what's going to be in Joe Biden's um, uh, pandemic relief plan. We know he's, he's still going for $1,400 in the checks, but he's prepared to actually crimp back on how widely distributed that's going to be. You know, a lot of that money will go into savings. Some of it will get spent. Some of it will be a sugar rush. Some of it is badly needed, but it probably won't be as big as as, as markets had thought in the first part. And, and it won't be, it won't be angled at structural reform. In the UK it's the same argument yes we've got a vaccine a very rapid vaccine rollout coming through um but we have Despite the Brexit deal, there will be some economic scarring from that. You know, we know that the trade deal doesn't actually, isn't going to give us, you know, the kind of uh, access to the markets that we, to the European market that we thought before. <laughs> no. yeah. uh, you know, so
0: there are downsides on, I, to both on this. There are, And on that, you know, uh, today the Bank of England governor was asked about, uh, you know, consideration of Brexit. He said, well, Brexit has not factored into our equations at all. We haven't changed our position on anything uh, uh, since the last Bank of England meeting, which was before they, you know, they didn't even know there was going to be a Brexit deal uh, tabled at that point. So, look, we, but there was enthusiasm, wasn't it, uh, from the Bank of England overnight, uh, even though the data wasn't very exciting, a 4.2% drop in the GDP forecast for Q1. They say 7.8% unemployment this year. Uh, but they made a big thing of this £125 billion pounds that was added to savings accounts last year. And they think that that's what's going to help this recovery in the... Uh, in the second half of the year, You've got to be a bit cautious about that, of course, because the people who are holding those savings are people who are well off who, who might be reluctant to spend it. But they, you know, if they can jolly people along to get out and uh, and spend, then they're, they're quite enthusiastic. I mean, it was a, a pretty hawkish meeting, wasn't it?
1: It was, um, and a lot of interest on negative rates. Um, you know, the the, the, mm. bank, the Bank of England governor Andrew Bailey there, very clear about this is something that you know the bank's just done this review there are, There are issues here there are sort of logistical issues uh, where the bank thinks that technology is
0: not going to support commercial it. banks I mean that was a big chunk of it wasn't it, it? it you know it's whether they can actually physically do it or not,
1: yeah indeed, and he's saying that banks really need six months prep to make sure they get this right, they could do it quicker, but it's probably not a prudent thing to do but whether it's going to be used or not is the question, and he's saying six months, you could say well on that basis then it's not going to be used between now and the August quarterly meeting, which is you know. The bank tends to roll these big things out at quarterly, at uh, time timetables, um, which means you know by that time you'd imagine the recovery. As long as there isn't um, you know another mutation, another outbreak, that things you know should be going on a fair clip, and we wouldn't need it. There is the counter-argument that the, from the bank external MPC members who say that actually we might want to use this to help really drive the economy forward. But you know, for, 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 for a country that's running a current account deficit to enter into you know, a policy of negative interest rates, um, that's quite a risky gambit, I would imagine. So I suspect when you listen to Bailey, when you listen to Andrew Hold- Andy Haldane, the chief economist, they they would much rather if we need more help in the UK stick to uh, more asset purchases. That seems to be the plan. And, and Bailey is saying, do not read anything into this at all in terms of whether you know uh, we, we, we it, of, w- of whether we actually will use negative interest rates or any timing. There is absolutely no signal in this whatsoever. And I think that's why you've seen Sterling take another leg back up again, you know, because it seems to have scotched that argument for, for a period of time. Yeah. yeah. Now. And in
0: fact uh, 20, 20 late 2023 is when they think they're going to lift rates at the earliest, but yeah, as you say, no indication that they're going to go in the other direction. Look, I mean this whole idea about whether it, it's going to drive uh, money into assets, that's the the, the point that's uh, on the front page of the FT today. Uh the, uh, the so the AFR I should say, uh, the assumption that, you know, the dovish tone set by the RBA with years of low interest is that it, they're calling it the raging bull in stocks and housing and uh, could it run the economy too hot we will see Uh, but certainly business confidence is growing that was evidenced by the NAB quarterly business survey yesterday we get the RBA statement on monetary policy today and a uh, parliamentary testimony from from Philip Lowe as we were saying yesterday really I mean you know it's hard for them to be out of kilter out of step isn't it with the rest of the world whatever they do
1: absolutely right I mean just on just touching on that NAB survey this was the quarterly survey we saw <clears throat> business conditions uh, move up quite nicely to plus 9 in Q4 from minus 5 in Q3. Business confidence up to plus 14 from minus 8 within conditions. Uh, trading was up 15 points. Uh, profitability was up 14 points, Fourteen, yeah, 15 points. And employment also up about 15 points. Obviously, all eyes are going to be on Phil, Lowe and on the, on, on the RBA statement management policy. We do know, obviously, we had the meeting earlier the week, so we know really what's going to be in this. Uh, So the market's just looking for more um, meat on the bones, if you like. And and to your point, you know, the RBA is aware that the economy is rebounding. There are some pockets of strength here. But of course, the counter is if other central banks are continuing, you know, with lots of asset purchases, lots of easy guidance, the, the RBA can't really move away from that because there will be impacts on things like the exchange rate which will be unhelpful to the recovery and to the mm. you know you
0: know uh increase in inflation well we'll see what he's going to say today fairly quiet today though otherwise i mean the uh, the unemployment numbers and the balance of trade for canada and the uh, the non-farm payrolls uh early tomorrow morning which we've already talked about it's going to be in earnings numbers are going to be interesting in that aren't they but i'll just flag that because we haven't got time to talk about it <laughs> but we'll catch you again very soon thanks gavin Thanks, Phil. And that's it for this Friday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again on Monday morning when you get around to the weekend. Make sure it's a good one. I'll see you next week.